Amen. Tasked part three. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to follow Christ. You have been given a purpose, a mission from God. You can respond to it in different ways. As we talked about earlier, better not spill my... I need this coffee very, very badly because I was at the Minnesota Youth Convention last few days and didn't really get to sleep much. So I may wander. Uh, But I have a wonderful coffee cup. My my wife got me these cups with these nice uh, inspirational Bible verses. This one is Acts 17, 18. And it says, what is this babbler trying to say? That's, that's in the Bible, and it's on my cup. So I'm pretty excited about that. So it's to remind me, okay, I need to say something coherent so that it can be at least a little helpful. But we're on a mission from God. God chooses us and appoints us to go and do things. We can respond to that in a variety of ways. We can respond like Moses and say, I think you got the wrong person. You mean I'm supposed to do something? I don't think I can. We could respond like Noah and say, forget it. I'm out of here. We could, I'm sorry, Jonah. (laughs) Jonah. The fish guy, the dude that got eaten by the fish. He said, forget it. I'm out of here. But Noah, on the other hand, said, yes, sir. And did exactly what he was called to do, even though it was ridiculous. You know, preach against Nineveh makes a whole lot more sense than build a huge boat in the middle of nowhere. But Noah was like, yes, sir. And he did it. So we respond to the call of God. That brings us into that place where we can live out the call of God. Key verse we're studying is John 15, 16. says this. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, you did not choose me. But I chose you. Is that how we think? Do we think he chose us? Or do we think there's kind of a standing invitation for all of humanity? And if we decide to go in, great. Or does he look at us individually and say, you, come follow me? He chooses us. We respond to that. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that will last. He gave them a specific charge. This is kind of general, but there were times where he gave them specific things to do. And then there's this promise. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Is he talking about chocolate pudding? The Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. He's talking about building additions. He's talking about the ability to Walk out your calling. He's talking about provision for what he's asked you, charged you, chosen you, and appointed you to do. If we can accept what we've been called to do, he will equip us and provide for us as we go along with that. There's the word then. We're going to have that come up again today. Then. I chose you and appointed you. Go bear fruit, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. We don't just ask, we accept the mission we've been given. We get about our Father's business, then we believe for provision. Last week we talked about being people of love. Somebody asked Jesus, what's the most important thing? He said, love God with all of who you are. 
have a love relationship with the creator of the universe. Not a obligation relationship, not a fear relationship, not a distant relationship, but a love relationship with the creator of the universe. Love God. And then Jesus said, and also love your neighbor. Don't forget about that. It's good to have a personal relationship with God, but you've got to touch other people. That just... That by itself is incomplete. So love others. Then he went on to say, love each other, love the fellowship of believers, and love your enemy. Love your enemy. Love the person who's act- actively trying to hurt me right now. Yeah, I got something else for the person who's actively trying to hurt me right now. How, so, hey, a lot of us just aren't there, right? Love God, love people. What if you're not there? What if you need to get more there than you are? Because I don't think anybody is completely there. This is the only way I know how to get there. 1 John 4.19. 1 John 4.19. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because He first loved us. If I'm going to have overflow in my heart to be able to extend love to someone who's difficult to love, it's got to get in there somehow. And it gets in there by us taking our walls down between us and God and letting Him love us. When I'm loved by God and I'm aware of it, it's a, it's a profoundly revealed truth in my heart. I walk around in a different world than I do where I feel alone. I walk around in a different world than the one where I, I feel like I'm lost and life is pointless. When I know that the creator of the universe loves me, cares for me, has made provision for me, has taken my sins away and given me everlasting life, that gives me strength to battle some of the battles in this life effectively. We've got to be loved by God. Let that in completely if we're going to be people of love. We need to have his love in us. It's the only way I know how to get better at that. This week, we're going to talk about the key to unlocking the power of God in your life. The key to unlocking the power of God in your life. Does that sound important? It's big stuff. It's big stuff. So let's pray. We'll get into new material this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your truth. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us down here to wander around and do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Lord, help us to see what you've got for us. Help us to take a step forward in serving you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. The key to unlocking the power of your of the power of God in your life. Let me say that again. The key to unlocking the power of God in your life is simply this. Living by faith. Being a person of faith. Having faith in God. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to live by faith. What does that mean? <laughs> what, what is going on? What does that mean? Well, let's read uh, John six twenty eight and 29. Because a great question is asked of Jesus by the group. And he answers it. John six twenty eight. 
Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Isn't that a great question? So what do we need to do? What are, what are we supposed to do? Have you ever thought, you know, so many people, they want to serve the Lord. They want to jump in and they don't know what to do. This is a great question. What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus turns it around. He says, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe in the one he has sent. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? I think people can get that confused and not understand what it means to believe in in Jesus, it doesn't mean to acknowledge his existence. Believing in God is not, I acknowledge your existence. We talked about that last week. If we're to love God, I acknowledge your existence is not sufficient for loving God. We are to believe in. Not just believe that he is, but believe in God. So acknowledging his existence is insufficient. Some people think living by faith is just letting everything go and not worrying about anything. Irresponsibility and living by faith are not the same thing. Don't just give up on taking care of your life and that's faith. You know, like for example, if I'm going to preach by faith, believe God for something good to say. That doesn't mean don't study the Bible and don't pray, just sort of show up and hope for the best. That's not living by faith. That's irresponsibility. So what I need to do is seek the Lord and do my part, do my due diligence, and then believe God for something good to happen. Living by faith is not... Manipulating God with our expectations either. Some people think if I just expect something enough, God has to do it. If I just expect a Lamborghini to be in my driveway when I come home from church, if I just really, 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 really expect God to do that, he's got to do it. Because, hey, faith moves mountains, right? So let's all, in fact, where two or three are gathered together, if we agree, (laughs) be thinking Lamborghini, all right? Are you with me? Well, no, just having that expectation, all it's going to do is be an unmet expectation, then it's going to cause me to be disillusioned because I thought my expectation was faith, but it's just presumption. It's just me putting something on God that he didn't initiate. And so I don't want to be someone who just is walking in presumption. So how do we get there? Let me ask you this question. Have you ever said to someone, I believe in you? Have you ever said that to somebody? Maybe you've got kids and and you've got a kid who's dealing with something tough and you've got a homework assignment or a bully they're dealing with or whatever... And they're, they're at that moment where they're not sure if they're going to rise into courage or if they're going to crumble. And you say to them, look, you can do this. I believe in you. And they go, you do? Like, yes, I believe in you. You can do this. Okay. And then it brings them to that next step. I believe in you. Have you ever said that to someone 
who's a, a peer. I believe in you. A friend. Maybe a co-worker. I believe in you. The idea is to say to Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. I believe in you. Let's look at Hebrews 11.6. We're going to go to Hebrews 11.6 and get a definition of faith that I really like. Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Are we going to be able to please God without faith? So you better have some faith then, right? No, that's, that's law, that's obligation, that's guilt and shame. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. We don't get to a place of believing in Jesus through shame and obligation and law. It's through trust. It's a different avenue. We're going to try to get there in the next 15, 20 minutes. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him... So this is a definition of faith. Must believe that he exists and. So existing is important. You know, you have to believe God exists. But the demons believe God exists. So that's not sufficient for faith. He uh, who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In order to please God, we have to believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If we don't believe that God is our rewarder, he's not happy with us. Isn't that interesting? Don't you feel like that might be a little selfish? You know, like, yeah, Lamborghini, baby. Like, no, that's not what this is talking about. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. He gives us real treasures. Not the worldly things that that we look at that we think are the greatest things in the world. He gives us true treasures, real treasures, a deeper treasure. He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Now we're starting to see what it means to believe in Jesus. You are the Son of God. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you reward those who earnestly seek you. I earnestly seek you. I want to know you. I want to know what you have for me. I want to know I believe in you. We're getting closer to faith. Faith produces an expectancy. A lack of expectancy, if we're not expecting any reward, a lack of expectancy indicates a lack of faith. Now, did Jesus, you got to be careful because people gave me the wrong answer, the last two services. Did Jesus put up with people who lacked faith? Absolutely. Sammy's got it in the back. She's real smart. Jesus put up with people who lacked faith. Now, he brought them into deeper faith, but like when Peter sank, you know, Peter walked on water. 
He's the only one who got out of the boat. None of the other people got out of the boat. Peter starts to sink. Jesus grabs him and says, where's your faith? You know, and puts him back in the boat. But what did he do? He grabbed him and put him back in the boat. He didn't say, well, you might as well sink then, you loser. Way to not have any faith and get in the boat with the 11 and go. You know, it wasn't, you're out of here, buddy. It, it was, I still love you, but there's more you have to learn. Let's keep walking together. So if we aren't at that place where we feel like our faith is where it should be, don't think you get rejected by God. We can learn, we can grow, we can get deeper and stronger if we look this in the eye and deal with it. Here's an example of expectancy. Acts chapter 14, 8 through 10. I'm going to try to move quickly. In Lystra, there said a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed. Paul's talking. He sees somebody. He's like, look at you. God's about to do something with you. It's right there. He sees he has faith to be healed. Verse 10. And called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. I wonder how many other people there were sick or had problems or things like that. It doesn't say. But it does say there was someone there who was lame and he had faith to be healed. Paul recognized it and said, Get up. There have been times in my life where someone has come to me with a need and I was like, well, let's pray right now because I know God's going to take care of that right now. Let's go. You can just feel it. It's there. There are also times where someone has come to me with a need and I thought, well, we can pray, but I'm not feeling it. I hope it works out and I feel bad not praying. (laughs) So uh, let's pray. Hope God does something. Wouldn't it be nice if all the situations were the one where you're like, oh, God's about to do this. But let's not pretend every situation is like that because then we get into kind of a weird thing. Let's be real. You know, uh, have you heard that sometimes people try Jesus? Have you heard people say, well, I tried Christianity. You know, I, I tried that. It didn't work. Have you ever heard people say things like that? Believing in Jesus is not the same as trying Jesus. It's a different thing. The uh, seven sons of Shiva tried Jesus. Let's look at that. Acts chapter 19 Starting in verse 13. Some Jews who went out driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. They would say, now, so like, you go to the dentist, you go to the shoe store, you go to the place where they drive out demons. This is the culture back then. It was a common thing. And so apparently they went to a conference and at the conference they said, well, you know, the people who are driving demons out in Jesus' name are having wonderful success. Maybe you should try it. And they thought, okay, well, that sounds good. So they went to the conference The seven sons of Shiva, verse 14. Uh, Wait. Yes. I'm sorry. I didn't get much sleep. Did I mention that already? That's good. In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. So that's what they would say. 
Seven sons of Shiva, a Jewish chief, chief priest, were doing this. One day, so apparently they'd been doing this. You know, like, it didn't just happen once. They were doing their thing. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. How did trying Jesus work out for them? Not so great. Not so great. They didn't believe in. They didn't know and love Jesus. They just tried him out. That's a dangerous place to be because you'll think you've exhausted the opportunities you have in the Lord when you haven't even started yet. How valuable is the word of God? How valuable is the gospel? The truth of God. How valuable is it? Let's look at Hebrews 4.2 and find out. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. So the author of Hebrews is talking about two groups of people who have both heard the truth of God. We also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. The truth of God told to people was of no value. Why? Because it was not combined with faith. Isn't that amazing? Have you thought to yourself, I don't see the strength of the truth of God in my life. The key to unlocking the power of God in your life is faith. Believing in, trusting in the truth of God, the word of God. We're going to read a few scriptures. And I want us to look at those scriptures from three perspectives. From a perspective of unbelief. Because when you read the Bible with eyes of unbelief, you're reading a different book than if you read it with other eyes. Through eyes of unbelief, let's look at scriptures through the eyes of religious obligation. That I need to do this because I guess I'm supposed to. For example, pray without ceasing. (sighs) Okay. Is that believing in? Not at all. That's religious obligation. And then through eyes of faith. Let's look at a few scriptures this way. We're only going to get to a couple. But when you read your Bible, think to yourself, am I reading this through eyes of unbelief where I'm sort of like, yeah, okay, what? Am I reading this through obligation? Oh, man, I can't believe it's putting this on me. Or through eyes of faith. Let's go to 
Um, let's do John 14, 6. We'll start with John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We sang a song about that. What do eyes of unbelief see in that? Oh, there's got to be other ways. I mean, come on. That's ridiculous. Or, that's a pretty good marketing program for a religious concept. Eyes of obligation are religious obligation. Okay, I got to come to the Father. I got to do this. Okay, so I got to I got to make Jesus happy if I'm going to make the Father happy. So how do I make Jesus happy? I better, you know, eyes of obligation. What do eyes of faith see? I can come to the Father? The creator I can come to the creator of the universe? That's awesome. And and it it explains how I can do that. Uh, Jesus is the way. I can connect with Jesus and he will lead me into the presence of Almighty God. I will be made able to be in the presence of Almighty God and that's okay. And this is going to work for me. I have access to the Father? Awesome. That's faith. How about James 4, 7? James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Eyes of unbelief. Yeah, right. (laughs) Devil's bigger than me. I've been tormented long enough to know that's a bunch of baloney. Eyes of obligation. Submit. I hate that word. This is America. I'm free. Eyes of faith. There's a way the devil will flee? You mean I can be free from this? You mean... How do I do that? Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. So if I, if I bow to the Lord, put myself in his family, then I'm in his family and daddy's going to get after people that pick on me. And I can resist the devil and he doesn't look at me and get scared, but he knows who my father is. And the devil will flee. That's faith. How about Romans 15, 7? Romans 15, 7. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Unbelief doesn't even worry about that at all. Who cares? I'm trying to do my stuff, get God happy with me. I don't care about anybody else. Eyes of obligation. Oh, God. Christians are annoying. I mean, talk about a bunch of people with bad social skills. Like, I don't want to deal with these people. You know, oh, that, that's obligation. What's faith? Accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to, pre- in order to bring praise to God. Let me explain faith 
real quick. Vikings play at noon? I don't know. I've been gone. We've got to get something good. You're all the way here. Might as well get something good. To me, I like sports analogies. I'm going to go with basketball. If I want to believe in Jesus, it's like believing in your coach. If you're a basketball player and there's two seconds left in the game and you're down by one and you get to inbound the ball and it's timeout, And your coach calls you together and says, all right, I've been saving this for just this situation. Here's what we're going to do. Writes out a play, tells you what to do. If you believe in your coach, what are you going to do? You're going to run the play. If you don't believe in your coach, what are you going to do? You're going to say to the kid inbounding the ball, and you're going to say, hey, just throw it to me. I'll take care of the and you're going to say, oh, coach, the defense did something. We didn't think oh, I had to do that. You know, If you don't believe in your coach, you're going to take over. Put that one back up there. Romans 15, 7, I think it was, that we just read. That's it. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring, in order to bring praise to God. What that means is, if we believe in God, we believe in the truth of the word, we're going to run the play. We may not understand the play, but we know he does, so we're going to run the play. If he says, be thankful in all circumstances, we're going to run the play. We're not going to take over and do our own thing, because we believe in the one who has given us that command. Let's read John 8, 31 and 32. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. John 8, 31 and 32. If you have faith and you're full of faith, it's going to cause you to run the play. Running the play is is faithfulness. So if you have faith and you're full of faith, that will lead you to faithfulness. That makes sense, right? So... If I have faith in the one who calls the play, I run the play, that's faithfulness. Faithfulness will teach you something. If I run the play and we make the basket and win the game, I learn something. If I take over and do it my own way, I might still think I'm all that awesome because that wouldn't have worked anyway. But if I submit to God, run the play, then I learn something. John 8, 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, so these are people who are believing in Jesus. They're putting their faith in Jesus. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So let me translate this for you. To those who put their faith in Jesus, Jesus said, be faithful. 
If you're putting your faith in me, be faithful. Then we get to the next verse, verse 32. Then, I told you that word was going to come back. Because most people, when they read this verse, skip that word. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Then you'll have run the play when you didn't know it was going to work, and you'll watch it work in your life, and you'll be like, we can win. Then you will know the truth. So let me explain just one more minute how faith is the key to unlocking the power of God in your life. When we have faith, it leads us to faithfulness. Then we get to experience the things of God because we're living them out. When we experience the things of God, we learn things about the ways of God, the power of God, that when we do things God's ways, things are different. We get to live a different life. And then the truth will set you free. Then you access the power of God. Faith to faithfulness to seeing what happens when you're faithful. That's knowledge and freedom. The power of God. We're going to close in prayer. Here's the thing I want each one of us to be growing in our faith. How do we grow in our faith? We put our faith in God and we be faithful. I tell you, when you walk in faithfulness, you will see God do things. Then you'll know, oh, if I run the play. Oh, if I love my wife. Look what happens. Then you'll know and you'll understand and there's power and freedom in that. So let's be people of faith. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to walk by faith, not by sight. To trust in the living God and to put his play into the game. So let's pray, let's check our faith and believe God to grow in it. Father, we just honor you, we worship you, we give you praise. Lord, help us to have eyes of faith. Lord, help us to live out our faith through being faithful, to to have the, the heart for you, but then to walk it out, to be faithful. Because, Lord, then we see what your ways do. And we can know. And the truth, your truth, brings power and freedom in our lives. So, Lord, help us. Lord, if there, for those in here who have never believed in you, as we've described. Oh, I just want to give you the opportunity right now to say, Lord, I believe in you. And it doesn't matter if you fill out a card or anything, but just in your heart right now, if you've never said, Lord, I believe in you, just say, Lord, I believe in you. And Lord, for 
those of us who have said that, Lord, let us turn our faith into faithfulness. Show us how we need to do that. Right now in our minds, one thing, two things that we need to be faithful in so that we can know and see. So Lord, just be with us. Let us be people of faith. Let us strengthen one another and encourage one another. Be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, now you need to come on down for personal prayer. Prayer teams are here. Receive prayer. doesn't matter what the need is. Come on down, get prayer. If you're not coming down, you're dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord this morning.